0: You're listening to the Lucas You Experience. Now, here's your host, the one and only, Lucas Askew. Hello world, welcome to the Lucas Askew Experience. Season two is back in full force, and today I'll be bringing you the experiences of a real world traveler and a recent friend of the LAE. But before we dive head first and bring in our guest, an ode to joy to one of our beloved LAE sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Califia Farms Vanilla Almond Milk, the most recommended drink of cattle everywhere. You might be saying to yourself, Lucas, aren't you an advocate for a strong bone density? Didn't you grow up drinking whole milk and continued consuming it until your early 20s? You are right on both accounts. But as you get older, your tastes change and you learn a little bit about what you are actually consuming. As I realized, just plowing back 2% or whole milk every single day can only do so much in building strong bones. As I'm grown up now, or at least a little bit more grown up, and most recently in the past couple years, I've looked for another solution to satisfy that continuous craving for a thick, luscious, sumptuous, and thirst-quenching beverage. I admit, I tried a couple different things from the baby blue sea known as skim milk to the ever-consuming taste of soy milk to the body-building favorite of muscle milk. Nothing could satisfy that desire for me. And then I tried almond milk, the little brother, so to speak, of the milk world. Maybe it was because it resonated with that story of being the little brother. But I developed an appreciation for almond milk, and was so surprised that so much goodness could come from a single nut. But let me tell you that not all almond milk is built the same, and after trying multiple kinds, I found the nirvana of the almond brothers. Califia Farms Vanilla Almond Milk Califia Farms vanilla almond milk is a delicious drink with only fifty calories per serving. That means I am not worried about lactic acid buildup and it can complement almost any meal. I also love throwing a little califia in my oatmeal in the morning, a sprinkle in my morning cup of joe, and even a dollop in my ice cream to give it that ooh so smooth taste. What I love about Califia Farms compared with other competitors is that they aren't adding extra things into the beverage to keep it lasting longer or creating an artificial flavor. Califia Farms is a soy-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, carrageenan-free, non-GMO, kosher, vegan, BPA-free, basically whatever your allergy or preference is, this beverage is catered for you. Califia Farms is available at all your fine local retailers. One call-out to make is that the vanilla flavor goes fast, so to make sure you are always keeping your eye out when you are shopping. Califia Farms Vanilla Almond Milk, helping break the stereotype of vanilla being associated with things that are bland since 2003. We're rolling. Don't, don't be nervous, Sam. I know it's your first time, just don't. It's okay. Well, the door's right there, so... That's true. I ...can always leave. Welcome back to the Lucas You Experience. When I was looking at Season 2, I wanted to bring on new guests, ones with a unique point of view on life, pop cultural topics. It brings some new energy to the podcast. I know I can get fiery sometimes, but I like to the back and forth with others to really provide that spark to the podcast. So this next guest, he's definitely new but the jury is still out of whether those other attributes he brings to the table. He is, however, part of the beloved Commonwealth. So I guess I'll cut him some slack. Give it up for Mr. Sam Williamson. Welcome to the pot. Yes, thank you. Great to be here.
1: Kia ora, as they would say in New Zealand. I assume that means happy to be here. It's a safe assumption. <laughs> it means hello. could not mean anything, but no. This particular time, it's a nice greeting.
0: Okay, well, I, I appreciate the, the friendly greeting. And again, I was, I was looking through your personal, professional bio for something else to really put to introduce you to the world. I just didn't see anything that jumped out of the page. So maybe a, you, you can do a, a better job of explaining who you are other than being an international well, individual.
1: You know, I'm not that surprised you couldn't find anything else there. Uh, for the reason there isn't anything else there, a bit of a rogue character. Um, I I did want to say a special hello though before we get going to the LAE faithful, the very famous faithful. There we go. Uh, Definitely made me wonder, like when I first heard of them in their description, uh, ultimately thought that, I guess that makes you some sort of religious icon, something in that realm. Um, and then the question would be, like, what do you see yourself as? Is it, is it more of a, like, a Pope-like figure? Or more one of these, you know, cult leaders that drives 100 people to commit suicide all at once?
0: Have you seen Netflix's original special, <laughs> Wild Wild Country? I've seen some of that, yes. Okay, yeah. so. so. You're that guy? you not going to say I'm, like, Osho. Oh, uh from Rajesh Pernum, uh, a beautiful made-up city in uh, in wonderful Oregon. But I definitely am not the Pope. I, I don't I don't try to be anything <laughs> greater than who I am. And really, I, I'm just an enabler for people that want to connect, that, that want to learn and really be a part of something great. Here at the Luke Sask Experience, we're all about experiencing life, and mm. we're doing it together. I am just a voice, and I bring on other voices, to share your experiences along the way. So, definitely not gonna make you commit mass murder, any of that cult-like status, and I'm more of an enabler to live a better life.
1: (laughs) It's quite inspirational, look, I can see why you've got such a big following with those kind of words. Um, But also, thank you, like, uh, it's good to know I'm not, you know, committing myself to some sort of mass crime.
0: Uh, that, that that is good. You you do need to sign some papers <laughs> afterwards that uh, sure. might have some incriminating information. But other than that, it's uh, it's standard procedure. Right. So. Well, uh, thanks for having me. No. Well, well welcome to the pod, and um, I thought it would be great to just kick it off of really how how you made it onto the pod. This is a great rags to riches story of a year ago. I didn't even know who you were. So. You've really come into my purview and made your presence known, and, and created some something that made you part of the illustrious list of guests on the LAE. So, how how did it come to be? I i have a story as well. About <laughs> well
1: that. I mean, the question is for you to answer. I believe uh, I'll give my perspective, and then perhaps you can give yours. Absolutely. You know, like we both work for a, a large unnamed tech company. <laughs> Uh, and what I've noticed, being a foreigner in the states, I, I, I'm, I,
0: I've already said I'm an introvert. <laughs> oh, <damn. so. laughs>
1: well, I, who knows where I work? Uh, I work at some <laughs> uh, large tech company in the Bay Area. In Valley, okay. okay perhaps yes. it's into it. Perhaps yeah. it's not. Um, but you know, like to paint the picture for our uh, for our listeners, most people at companies like this are, are very serious, ambitious, uh, professional individuals. So what you find is. Uh, when you talk to them in a social setting, you don't get a lot out of it. Uh, you might say, uh, hey Bruce, how was your weekend? And the response is generally, it was great, thanks. Uh, we enjoyed some nice weather. Went hiking. Went hiking. Took the kids around. Exactly, right? You don't get any, any true answer. Like if the answer was actually, oh man, I got so trashed, I vomited on the dog. You might have a connection there, right? the point here being that it takes a long time uh the social norm is that it takes a long time to get to know people on a on a on a nice personal level yeah and the story of us is the same by assumption i guess we looked at each other and thought oh gosh here's another straight-laced ambitious stiff colleague um, so we had no real reason to talk uh, What happened over time was that we started seeing each other on the same morning shadow. The occasional glare turned into the occasional smile. The occasional smile turned into the occasional, hi, hi, how are you, how are you? Uh, Which ultimately led to one conversation in which, I know what I saw, I saw a cheeky young man with a lot of comedic skills. And I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about you. And I immediately realized, this is a guy I need to talk to. Wow,
0: that's that is quite the story. I, I definitely didn't see it that same way. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know how you saw it. Um, so I uh, think you, you laid the the groundwork there uh, admirably, by the way. But yes, it was uh, it was about six months ago, being on the, the school bus, as I, I like to call it, <laughs> on, on the way to beautiful unnamed tech company that, that we both are working for and uh, I usually like to, in the mornings, it's like 6.40, it's early. I like to have some shut-eye, uh, but I do like to see who else is coming on the bus. I like to scope out the talent and kind of gauge their interest level. And, and to your point, uh, a lot of the times you don't really see people that you can connect with, and I definitely didn't see a ambitious individual <laughs> when I saw you, <laughs> but, you but <laughs> I, I saw someone that, uh, that, that could be an individual to talk a little bit more about the X's and O's of of what we do here and and life and experiences elsewhere. Uh, So as any great relationship forms it starts out small. It started with a a few head nods uh, similar to what we were doing here and recreating in this room and uh, one head nod turned into a hello and you have that part right and uh, I think we we both saw something in each other. I feel this is now turning into a, a like a dating show type of podcast and then we fell in love and now the rest is history it was to your crux of your point it is it's very tough to cultivate relationships at work as more than just colleagues and you kind of put those in two separate buckets um, granted, we've actually never hung out outside of work, so we're, we're still not there yet. Not friends. Uh, no, we're not friends, and that's why. But we're not just colleagues. Exactly. And that's the point. We're something in the middle. It yeah. hasn't been defined yet. We might define it here on this podcast. We'll, we can spit. We've got plenty of whiteboard space that is around us in this wonderful Whistler conference room that we are currently in right now, but maybe we can crack the, the code, but ultimately. That, that's how you came to be, and, and you were on my short list. I, I gave your agent a call, and lucky you were able to, to make it on the show today.
1: So, if I hear things correctly, basically your version of the story is exactly the same <laughs> as mine. <laughs> I wouldn't
0: say exactly. There's are some, a few key details, ambitious, not <laughs> okay. ambitious. Uh, I think you escalated a little quicker than uh, I would have. But ultimately, the crux of it, here here we are today. And it's an honest be here. Yes. Um, So I did mention in the the opener that uh, you're part of the Commonwealth, Mm -hmm. but I didn't go into what part of the Commonwealth. So obviously, you may listen to him. He is not from America. Where exactly is Sam Williams from? Well, it's a great
1: question and forgive me, you did kind of prompt me to introduce myself and, Classic Sam Williamson style. I I didn't answer the question Uh, Living in America the past couple of years Quite often what happens is I'll get into like an uber or a lyft and the driver will be like, let me guess UK like no, no, not the UK Uh, Ireland no keep going if they're good. They'll say Australia Uh, But if they're really good, they'll say New Zealand, which is where I'm from. This tiny little country in the bottom of the world. Uh, Two islands. Well, strictly three islands, but two main islands. islands. A a solid 4.5 million people. Uh, We call ourselves Kiwis, which is our national bird, a flightless bird. Um, it's, it's somewhat pathetic, to be honest, um, yet it is our emblem and we look to it for strength and guidance. Um, and it's a, it's a truly wonderful place and, and as a Canadian over there next to me, uh, I don't know if this is an insult or not, but Kiwis and Canadians are often
0: compared uh, to each other. Agreed. I agree. We are the little brothers, so yes. to speak, to our bigger brothers of Australia, in your case, United States being a, a massive big brother of ours. But yeah, I think it's... And part of the questions I want to ask is just how does it... What types of questions do you get? Do you feel you, you're overlooked or kind of misguided from individuals that say, oh, you're from New Zealand? Don't Isn't that the same as Australia?
1: Yeah, I mean, for, I'll speak generally for every American, but Americans generally, uh, when they hear you're from New Zealand, the response will be... Oh, it's beautiful!
0: and you're like, oh cool, oh, is, that, is that your American accent? That's, my, that, that's, my, <laughs> that's your general American accent. That's
1: my person uh, responding to the Kiwi accent. I've got lots I've got lots of go-to's
0: if you want me to pull them out during my okay, time. Okay, maybe. Um, so, I just haven't met, I don't know what part of the country that person is from, but I'd really, really like to meet them yeah, someday.
1: It's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a new
0: state where not, not a lot of people know about it. Um,
1: but the, the general response will be. Wyoming. Uh, thank you. The general response is, oh, it's beautiful. And then so you'll say, oh, have you been there? And none of them have. Um, so what's interesting is New Zealand has a reputation of being this beautiful, untouched land um, that's great for holidays, that's got beautiful mountains and lakes and rivers, which is cool because that's the deal, and that's how we market ourselves, and that's how Kiwis look at our own country. Um, But what's interesting is that no one here really knows anything about it, and I'm not that surprised, because, you know, it's a tiny little country, Mm -hmm. but why would America care about it? Um, But So I don't get a lot of questions around kind of being confused for uh, Australian or things like that, because... They don't really know the difference between the two. So you kind of just get generally lumped into,
0: oh, you're from somewhere really far away. Are you okay with that? Like, Are, are there times where you kind of want to press your shoulders up a little bit and say, no, I'm, I'm from New Zealand, oh. not Australia, and kind of get into debates? Or is it similar to your soft-spoken demeanor that uh, you kind of, like a duck, let it just slide <laughs> off your back? I'm a laid back guy, but let
1: me tell you, the last thing I want to be called is an Australian. And that goes for every one of my people, like, Australia, here's the thing, Australia's a great place. Yeah, I, I, I've been there. And you've been yeah, there, yeah. Oh, of yeah. course. You know it. Uh, you spent a lot of time in Brisbane for some reason, yes. but at least you've been to Australia. An overrated, underrated city. And uh, generally speaking, Australians are go-getters, they're very positive. They're very confident, and they live in a truly great country to live in. Uh, but naturally, as a New Zealander, we look at them like they're the scum of the earth. There are enemies. Uh, they're full of themselves. They're cocky. They're brash. Uh, whereas, like obviously, we look at ourselves and say we're cool, <laughs> we're easygoing, exactly. and I think this is generally how people look at themselves. They think they're a you know a lot better than their competitors, but obviously speaking kiwis are a lot better than australians i'm sure we can all agree
0: on that um I'm, I'm sitting with a kiwi and i'm not sitting with an australian so i think that's uh that speaks for itself but do,
1: do you feel uh, how do you feel as a canadian with this whole association
0: with the us so maybe i get i pushed it down um and now it's like coming up uh just based on the the culture and society societal times that we live in but I think now I get a little little bit more agitated when someone says, oh yeah, Canada, America's little brother, or America's top hat. Really don't like What's that worse? particular one. Of those two comments? I think the top hat, because top hat to me just... Uh, Something you can throw away? Well, <laughs> a top hat in general is ugly, but a top hat, <laughs> that to, to me tells just ignorance, like doesn't really understand what Canada is, where it is wouldn't even be able to showcase where two of our major cities are on a map. Like that's just plain ignorant to me. But I think for me it's just it's disappointing that our our great country is just overshadowed by an, another more more dominant nation. Canada and the US are very similar in a lot of tendencies. Our media comes from the US basically. Our economies are relatively similar, but we are We are different in our ethos of who we are. And it's why I will always be a Canadian first, living in the US and not becoming an American citizen. Especially if this podcast goes live and the government ever hears this, (laughs) they know that they would not allow that to occur. It still frustrates me that where people, similar to you, oh, you're from Canada. Where are you from? Saskatchewan, oh great never heard of it yeah and that's usually where the conversation ends and i'm okay with that but there's certain people that like to stoke the fire a little bit and make generalizations or stereotypes of who we are as a country
1: yeah sure and look i mean i'm sure since you've lived here you've taken a lot of extra pride of being canadian i've seen that as a as a kiwi here in the u.s that canada really stands out even more it's a progressive country it's got a young leader Uh, They treat their citizens better right across the board with lots of things. Uh, We don't need to turn this podcast into a depressed machine and talk about what's going on in the U.S. But, I mean, it's black and white when you look at how the two countries operate and how the people feel, which is a big thing. So um, I think about that as well, because New Zealand's similar to Canada in that sense. We've got a young prime minister. Um, We're a very progressive country. Uh, we really respect each other's rights. We're not perfect, but we do a lot of good things which make it easy to be proud of the exactly. of the place we, you're from. We are
0: proud, but I think at the end of the day, both of us are, are living here, we're working here in the US. So that there has to be something good with the nation that we've now called home. Um, but I think there's, there's just a natural pride that comes with the place that you're born, the place that you're from. Like, the more that you're away from it, the, the stronger connection you're, you're going to find so when someone wants to challenge my turf I get a little bit more <laughs> defensive and maybe it is here's a thought being in the United States more I feel that I, I, I want to defend Canada even mm-hmm. more strongly and not just in terms of the words but I look at Canada as a country that sometimes gets pushed over and pushed around maybe I'm invoking my inner American in me, and I, I want to kind of display a little bit more, not brute force, but mental force and and stick up for my country that is getting pushed around.
1: Well, we're both in the same situation, which is, we're clearly very proud of where we're from, yet we choose to live in America, <laughs> exactly. a country which we're quick to criticize. So the question is, why are we here? I mean, the obvious thing is opportunity, All right, You can't even compare the opportunity in the States. To New Zealand or Australia or anywhere or Canada and the southern yeah. hemisphere anywhere in the world like it's it's undeniable what's the bigger question is like for me is how long can you survive in America Like, could I hypothetically live here the rest of my life and that's that's a question I'm not sure of yet Wow. I, don't know. <laughs> uh, I thought you would have the answer, I thought you would tell me, well it's racking, three years. I was racking my brain, I was like, well,
0: I could tell them, I think your time should be up now, but I don't want to just completely crush your dreams, so enjoy that water and we'll uh, we'll continue our conversation. Moving on from uh, cultural differences, I saw you on the, on the bus this morning rocking your patented golf hat that uh, you like to wear, and not just like a regular golf hat, it actually says the words golf on it to make sure (laughs) everyone knows what sport you're talking about. What made you get started? I mean, what's interesting about being
1: a golf lover is immediately you ostracize yourself. Yeah, 90% of the population think it's a ridiculous sport, it's an elitist sport, and it's a big waste of time because it takes four or five hours. You know what? Those things are true. So it's, you can't not overlook those things. For me, it's as simple as uh, growing up in New Zealand, I started hitting a golf ball around when I was about five years old. We have the luxury of having like wide open spaces so you can kick a ball far distances or hit a ball far distances. You know, New Zealand is a pretty rural country and, you know, the golf course that I grew up on, firstly, it was an honesty box system to pay the green fees. You just, if you remembered, leave the cash in this box oh. and then go play. Uh, it was literally a farm where sheep ran around. I know it's not great bringing up sheep because they're often associated with New Zealanders. That's all we've got there. But they had, like, little wires around the fen- uh, around the
0: greens to keep the sheep off. Um, so it wasn't glamorous, to say the least. Did you ever have any out-of-bounds, out-of-sheep balls that uh, has made their way in there? Do you Yeah,
1: or, or hitting sheep, which yeah. is terrifying when you're, like, seven years old and you whack
0: accidentally hit a sheep. Did and you put an extra stroke on your game, or was that like a... Unwritten game that you and your friends are playing. It's played it as it lies. If you hit a sheep, you <laughs> carry on. It's not a bonus point <laughs>
1: or anything like that. But what's cool is, is that you know, thirty years on, here I am still playing golf, and hopefully, when I'm in my sixties and seventies, I'll still be out there. And that's why it's a great sport, and I, I truly love it for two reasons. Uh, one, you get to spend four or five hours with friends. Generally just laughing at each other about how crap you are.
0: Absolutely. That's the
1: main thing and the second is Because it's so difficult You can't underestimate that the few times around you do something good The rewards just feel sky-high
0: Yeah, I, I don't think there's another sport that I have played or play that that amazing moment when you hit a perfect drive or a perfect approach shot let alone drill a thirty-foot putt. Just the jubilation that yes, I can do this, and you have that one magical moment. It makes you believe, and then you shank your your drive in the next hole.
1: Inevitably, the next shot is always disaster.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that there was a guy that like poked his head in. <laughs> it's like okay. Um, one of my questions, and you you touched on the earlier part of. of the population just doesn't like the sport. One of the reasons why it's viewed as this boys' club, and how do you make it more inclusive of a sport? Like if you are the czar or commissioner- (laughs) uh, Of golf? Of golf! Not just the PGA Tour, not just a Tim Fincham, but what are ways to actually make it more inclusive of a, a game that more people can play?
1: Yeah, I mean, great question. Well, if elected in this position, I mean all you've got to do is look what's happening through through Asia in terms of how the sport there has grown Um, in countries like Korea uh, and historically Japan like it is played by everyone from a young age Uh, and what they've done is just make it uh, more accessible for all Uh, I think in western countries a lot can be done to create that um, stepping stone into the sport now you're starting to see it approached from an uh, an entertainment level where you've got things here in the U.S. called like Total Golf, which is like a bar slash golf driving range. Top and golf. A, top golf. Oh, total
0: golf. I was like, is that is
1: that a new one as well? <laughs> no. Well, there's there's Top Golf and wait till you see Total Golf. You've seen uh, the top, uh, and you haven't seen the you total. You haven't seen total. Um, and, and you know that that's a money making business, obviously, but. It's, it's still like a, a way into the sport. I think for it to, to get into poorer countries, um, that's going to take a lot of time, but it's all about starting young, right? How do you get kids into any sport? And admittedly, uh, golf is like many international sports that hasn't truly become global, and hasn't truly cut through um, diversity in that sense.
0: I agree with your point of just starting at that young age and I also feel you need to have kind of those role models of individuals that are doing a great job and I'd love to ask your opinion of Adam Scott <laughs> a great uh, great Kiwi himself do you feel his presence is helping the game of golf in New Zealand and kind of grow that population I'll give you the example Mike Weir <laughs> wonderful the, lifty, the well, Canadian the Canadian 2003 Masters Champion from 2003 up until the, next four or five years the game of golf has just started to skyrocket in, in Canada we don't get to play it all year round we, we have winter and it limits that capability but then you ha- started to really build at a y- younger age high schoolers playing and have more Canadians on the tour because of seeing Mike Weir that he could do it and, and really providing that idle uh, experience so from an Adam Scott who I actually I'm a big fan of. I actually saw him uh, play in Hawaii one year. Big fan of Adam Scott. I can tell by your face, you might not be as big of a fan. Is him or someone else a, a catalyst for enhancing the game in New Zealand? I, I can't tell if this is an intentional setup or not, uh,
1: but Adam Scott is actually Australian. Uh, he is a very famous Australian golfer. And, and what I love is you describe yourself as a big Adam Scott fan. Uh, you would think you might be able to tell me where he's from. So, as an Australian, successful Australian golfer who's also won the Masters, I'll be honest with you, Lucas, no, he has not inspired a generation of New Zealand golfers to, to hit, hit the links or hit the course, as they say. But someone who has is actually a female golfer called Lydia Ko. Uh, she's now about 20 years old. Mm-hmm. When she was 17, she became the world number one in women's golf. And look, she's incredible. Uh, and what what we saw in New Zealand is all it took was for her to hit the, the highs. And guess what? Like adoption and school children, both boys and girls went up um, and she's you know she's young and she could potentially be in the top of the women's game for the next 20 years and if she is I'm sure just like Mike Ware in Canada and Adam Scott in Australia you'll see uh, youngsters look up to that because that's what they need
0: right you just need a role model to show hey look if I can do it so can you. That was a test and I'm glad you passed with flying colors your ability to just stay calm after <coughs> provoking you <laughs> with the Australian New Zealand comparison there so great job handling that question I mm-hmm. must say I do that with all my guests really put them on the spot and and see what type of person they are
1: I'm um, usually I would act in violence in these situations. so I'm,
0: I'm impressed with myself for keeping a calm demeanor through all of that that's good and you can see Lydia Coe Brooke Henderson and all the great LPGA participants at the Canadian Open happening at the Wascana Country Club in beautiful Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada in a few weeks. My hometown, not my hometown course, but I played it a couple times. Really challenging. The women will love it. It's a great location, great place, and great notoriety for Wascana, Regina, and the LPGA. Just a, a fun little plug right there. Fantastic. I I do have something, you know, we're
1: talking about sport and growing a sport around the world, Um, and, you know, as star of sports or of golf, you know, what could we do to grow the sport? One sport I think that really should come back, and I don't know if it's ever been in, but I think this would be the ultimate uh, either Olympic sport or sport in general is the tug of war. And I think if every nation selected their top eight guys or women, just the heaviest or most physical or biggest hands, um, and went nation to nation in some sort of knockout tournament,
0: can you think of a, a, of a sport that would unite a country more than the tug of war? They may have to change the, the nomenclature, maybe just the tug. <laughs> just to have more of the negative connotation of war. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you, though. I think that there's something so simplistic of the, the sport or activity of tug-of-war that it is accommodating to anyone. You really just need to hold on to that rope and pull as hard as you can. And for me, it recreated this, these visions of elementary school when mm-hmm. you would have two teams just battling in the sandbox trying to determine who was stronger. I think there there is something there and to your point starting at a young age they are starting at a young age how do we continue that throughout um, so instead yeah. of getting rid of sports at the high school university level maybe it's time to start reintroducing these things like the tug of war starting to build that notoriety. And someone like yourself can become more of an idol mm. uh, and really demonstrate that to the next generation and you can create that snowball effect. Well, look, hey, I'm glad you're on board because I'll probably need your help. The, the only... I, I don't... Well, do you want my help promoting it, which I'm excel in, or <laughs> do you need my help pulling the rope and being part of the team because don't let these guns or rattle sinks fool you. I'm a hell of a a puller. Well, look, I
1: mean, if if we were doing, for instance, Canada's top eight versus New Zealand's top eight, I would hope neither of us made those teams. The the only danger I see is, uh, you know, traditionally in tug-of-war, the heaviest person is at the back and the person you tie the rope around. I don't know if that technique's used overseas, but in New Zealand... that That, that is definitely, that's, like that, that's, a, that's a tried and
0: <coughs> tested technique. You know,
1: the only danger I see is, if, if you happen to have like a one-ton human who you tied around like
0: some huge beast of a person, you, you'd be hard to beat, right? I think you, you would need to create rules and regulations like any sport or activity yeah. to really create that competitive balance and prevent the the largest countries
1: because you don't want to encourage obesity or ill health you don't want some young kid gonna be when I grow up on the number eight and the tug of war. exactly that
0: we may be answering the question right now on air of why it hasn't got that notoriety still because we might not want to create that image for our, our children the next generation to become a tug-of-war elitist your body is not going to be in the greatest of shape it's just more about land mass Mm. and we're promoting health and wellness. Is that, here on the LAE, is that like a big thing, health and wellness? Health and wellness is a, a huge thing and why We are consuming things like Califia Farms almond milk uh, as our our presenting sponsor today. I actually just had a a glass for lunch uh, and it actually went down quite smooth. It really continues to to build the bone density that I demand in my elder age. Can can uh, I
1: ask you what you
0: particularly like about its taste? There's, some, there's something about Califia Farms, the taste of vanilla, the nutrients that you're getting from milk without the, the large fat content, that I'm not consuming this, this heavy drink, something that goes down smooth and as I mentioned before, soy free, dairy free, gluten free, carrageenan free, BPA free, it, there's just so much freeness in that glass of almond milk. These are the types of things that we, we want to promote on the LAE. And that those are the types of activities we want to be promoting health and wellness uh, for our next generation. Great. So I was going to say uh, Jordan versus LeBron uh, <laughs> debate because there's no greater debate in the world of sport or just life. Um, but uh, I want to say that for another day. We're not Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, let's be honest. We're not. 're not I can admit th- that yes and I'm glad I, I don't I'm glad I'm not that type of individual that just has to yell to be heard and just raise his voice and and really declare that because of Jordan's six championships versus LeBron's three that there's no comparison even though LeBron is statistically better rebounding the assist wise the the long-term play that he's had over decades of of greatness making the finals in eight straight years again I don't want to be that individual that kind of goes back and forth and, and creates that debate of of why Jordan Carried his teams during those the sick the flu game um, had Hall of Famers like Scottie Pippen where LeBron has Kevin Love and the great JR Smith. So again, I don't, don't want to get into that. Talk about I it. don't want to get into that debate. So
1: do you do you. you think do you think this debate can ever possibly end? Like there, there is no ending point, right? It's 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 going to go forever, no matter what happens.
0: No, no, no matter what happens, no matter when whenever LeBron throws his shoes away and retires, there will be someone else that comes up as well, but this is, this is the debate. These are, are two similar in terms of iconic individuals, and it's, it's sports television just made for the Fox Sports Ones of the world, even the ESPNs of the world. Sports radio was built for discussions like this. Again, I, I would love it to stop eventually because we know Jordan is above LeBron. But again, we, we're not getting into that, and we're
1: not going to talk about it any further. But you know, when comparing the two, there's obviously only one who's at the top of the tree, and that's Mr. Jordan. Uh, there's no comparison about it. My personal thoughts on it is that Jordan transcended the sport. He went. He became not only the greatest ever basketball player, and un- Questioned at the time, but he became a mythical figure around the world of sport and then just around the world. LeBron is truly an amazing player, truly a great, truly phenomenal, improving every year. What he's done this season is freakish, but he's no Michael Jordan.
0: That's true. Again, we're not going to get into this debate. I'm glad we, we skipped over that and didn't provide the, the listeners with with our our viewpoints
1: and and we wouldn't we wouldn't go into it and have our own opinion because we're not qualified again and the longer we talked about it the more ridiculous it would be and the more foolish it would make us more foolish
0: and we would change our opinions that actually you know what looking at the stats a little bit closer and really looking in the here and now you see that lebron is actually just better equipped look at the minutes look at the (laughs) minutes building the brand that he is outside he's a heck of an entertainer performing on the likes of Saturday Night Live, other comedic shows that he's playing. He has his own restaurant chain that he is invested in. He has done a lot outside of that as well that that Jordan Jordan brand hasn't touched. Well, if you were to start
1: comparing those things, I mean, how do you compare what LeBron has done on the screen to what MJ has done? Because obviously Space Jam is probably in the top five films ever made. Uh, And so LeBron is yet to kind of hit those heights. He may, but he hasn't yet. What is that uh, train wreck? (laughs) Amy Schumer. Amy
0: Schumer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Look, I have to say, I thought LeBron did a good job on that. You know, he was alongside Bill Hader, who's a very funny man, and I'm not sure how much of it um, was ad-lib, but he held his own uh, in that
0: sense. But, you know... um, there's room to improve there. Speaking about Space Jam, there's been talk of, for a long time, of actually creating the sequel to it, but it still hasn't come. If you're LeBron, do you want the sequel, or do you, you don't want to even touch that? Because again, that's another point of comparison. Mm-hmm. Space Jam, you know Space Jam 1 is going to be better than 2 or 3. Well,
1: let's flip it. If it was reversed, would Michael Jordan to Space Jam 2 and my theory is he would because Jordan is renowned as the most competitive person of all time I think he would have the kahunas to say
0: I'm going to do 2 and it's going to be even better. I don't think you get Bugs Bunny though I don't think Bugs Bunny comes back for 2 and that is a key component. He, yes might be a supporting actor uh, provides a lot of lift on that team a lot of energy mm-hmm. that he provides but I think Bugs Money not coming back might have been the
1: the, the, the thing del-
0: preventing two from ever
1: happening. And, right? and you know what? Just thinking about it, it would be a lot harder to get some good minutes out of Bill Murray at his age. You know, he's a lot slower. Um, I'm not sure how good he was anyway. Um, certainly provide good comedic value for the team, but. You know, if you need some good D and some good minutes from Murray, then at his age, that's asking a lot for an old guy.
0: That really is. We may never know about the the great debate, Space Jam One versus Space Jam Two, as well as the great Jordan Lebron debate. Glad we didn't touch it. Leave it to the prognosticators and, and people on ESPN, Fox to debate that topic. Speaking about other stuff. You're a content individual, Sam. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? How dare how dare you say that about me? We've just met each other. My God. Why is it so difficult for companies to create good content for their customers?
1: Um that's, that's a heck
0: of a transition, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even gonna edit that up at all. <laughs> like
1: a tons of segues. That's about as smooth as you get it, it ties
0: into the whole picture. Not it's Almost as smooth as a glass of Calvia Farms almond milk. Now we're talking. You know. I might I might have a sip of mine right now. It's uh <sighs> That's some good Sweet salty socks. That is <laughs> that is good. Uh, family friendly podcast, I probably should have said that. Ah, so that sorry. That no. will be edited out, but that, that's fine.
1: That will just good. you know, that, that'll keep up with my bad boy image that I've got rolling that you've had to edit out a word. Um, To answer your question, you know, 99% of companies really struggle to produce good quality content uh, for marketing, uh, for digital marketing, and especially for social media, purely because uh, they're lazy. Uh, And what I mean by that is, uh, marketers generally approach things like this Here's a big idea, it's a great idea, we'll get the agency to create the content. Now let's find ways to shove that content through every channel we can. And we're just gonna make that content work on that channel. Uh, And that's what most people do. And that's not good. Like the, the companies who truly nail their marketing really take time to make specific, imagery and videos and things for every single channel they belong in Uh, and even the coolest or best brands still don't do this all the time um, you know, if you want to look for good examples, Google never drops the ball like if you see their ads on Facebook Or on Instagram or on Twitter. They're always the latest trends. They're short videos They're three seconds long. They embrace Trends like the filters you see on snapchat and Instagram stories um, they, they they care they bother to care and, and that's the big difference and you know that's the place to start for companies in terms of nailing their content marketing is really taking the time to think what's the right message and what's the right content for the channel we're pushing it out
0: on. So frequently I hear the adage, and heard it in these halls, the right message at the right time to the right customer. Yes, that makes sense in theory but to your point of spending the time and understanding your particular channel and determining what makes the most sense? How else do you determine that right place and that right message for these individual channels? Like, what are the things that companies should be leaning in towards? Take, for example, Instagram. Like, where should they be investing their time to really hone that channel and make that work for their particular brand?
1: I think it's just about being honest at the end of the day. Like, You know, if you think of a specific channel and you're like, right message, right channel, right time, you can work all that stuff out and then think you're delivering that thing to them, right? But what you're delivering might be an ad that says, buy our product or buy our thing now, which is that ever the right thing that you want to see on Facebook or Instagram? No. No, like yes, the data will show you can get conversions that way, but that's that's where I think it's just, it's almost rude and it's it's so lazy and it doesn't care for what people are trying to do in their free time, and their social time. So it's about working out what's the appropriate way to market on those channels and then where else digitally can we then
0: convert them?
1: Um, Because there are other places where that makes more sense.
0: You see a lot of brands wanting to be on all channels and kind of have that omnipresent feeling Should some brands just stick to one or two and just lean in heavily there and say, you know what, we're not built for Pinterest. Let's just not create something there. But I feel there's just an inherent desire for these companies to say, no, we need to have presence everywhere because our customers are everywhere.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question.
0: Uh, Most of my questions are great, so thank you for reaffirming (laughs) that for me.
1: Well, it's the first time I've said that's a great question, I believe. So you've obviously been waiting 40 minutes
0: for true, a little bit true. of again I might edit this and actually put this
1: <laughs> <in the first laughs> uh, for, hi welcome Sam great question <laughs> um, yeah I mean to, to answer your question um, that they can do that if um, it makes sense right like your brand might be completely uncool and not appropriate for Instagram but If you execute a really fun, energetic, short, engaging, creative, you can make that brand message appropriate for Instagram. So that's the challenge of not only the brand itself, but uh, the marketers and the agencies they work with. uh, Are they brave enough to create that content which belongs in Instagram or whatever platform you're operating on? And And if you're not, yeah, get the hell away. Don't go there. Forget about Pinterest, forget about those other channels. Um, The mistake people make is it is so easy to get your company to such a huge audience via social media that you just go, cool, we'll just pay for a million people to see this ad and they think that exposure results in positive uh, things for their company or their product or their brand. And usually it's not because most people who see it are like stuff you guys. I hope I never
0: see your ad again because it's disgusting. And that's why you don't see ads from the LAE. We're not bombarding you on all of the various channels. We are simply an enabler, a gate to provide you opportunities for your own listening pleasure. If you don't want to listen, that's fine. We have the LAE faithful that's growing in number already, but we're not going to be pushing that. So what, what I'm is- glad that you provided that, that context of just brands that are kind of pushing the envelope a little bit too much because
1: i'd heard rumors of that number of you know how many is the faithful and someone asked me when they heard i was coming on this pod um and you know i couldn't confirm or deny and but what i do know is that that's one hell of a number
0: i i i keep it close to the vest for a reason you know it is my ip and this is this is who i am is it, the L A of the <laughs> LAE so we we are as strong and in mighty number and those that are asking I hope they become hope they consider themselves especially after listening to this episode I feel they're going to learn a little bit about themselves and as well as you, I think uh, I've learned a lot about you over this uh, course of this 48 plus minutes that we've been doing this.
1: And um, if there's anyone still listening, I mean, that's, that's a minor miracle in itself. Well, what I'm excited about for you is that uh, through having a, a rogue Kiwi like myself on the podcast, um, you're about to get some international fans inevitably when I share this with my vast <laughs> network of friends and social media followers I'm guessing one two or three people might choose to listen to this and you know when your brand starts heading Australasia and parts of Europe and when my fan
0: base is like mm-hmm. who knows what's possible a couple things one part of the reason why you're on we, we saw a pipeline to that <clears throat> Australia Asian market that you could be that that individual to get us there two you mentioned international i like to ro- remind fans canada is technically international i have a large following in canada and the u.s so this isn't the first uh international flavor plus we have one great listener in iceland actually has been there from the start i've never met her but uh she continues to, to listen to the episodes on SoundCloud. so i appreciate that and, and really just showcase the lae to a different different group of individuals and provide them a little bit more connection to, to what we're doing here.
1: Well, thank you again. And, and I'll be honest, um, having listened to your podcast and, and learning about the faithful themselves, your loyal listeners, uh, the reason I came on today was because I think if more people from New Zealand and Australia were
0: part of the faithful, my Lord, this, this world would be a better place it would be it would be that's a great way to end but that's not the way we end here so one last question before we get out of here I like to ask my individuals my guests that come on the show one last question it could be high level it could be low level what's one piece of advice that you would give the LAE faithful
1: I'll give you some golf advice okay wonderful when it's breezy swing easy Simple, <laughs> yet yeah. yeah. tasteful. Uh, Sam Williams said, Thank you, sir.
0: To end this week's episode, it is the motivational message. Today's motivational message comes from another Kiwi. He's best known for his smooth vocal cords and country flair. If you guessed Keith Urban, I'm actually proud of you because I did think he was Australian. But I won't let... I won't tell Sam that. Keith Urban from New Zealand. So this motivational message by Keith Urban is simple. Life is a balance of holding on and letting go. We all have those things in life we are holding close to the best, myself included. Some of those are good, but others are holding us back. So ask others, do self-evaluation, figure out how to let these things go, and focus on the things that matter. That's our show for today. Thank you to Sam Williamson for entertaining us and Califia Farms Vanilla Almond Milk for providing the nutritional yet delicious spark to our show. Until next time, take care, talk soon, and God bless.